Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. We're in the middle, right smack in the middle, of a 10-year national housing strategy. Came about in 2017. Billions and billions of dollars launched to address the key areas in the Canadian housing situation that we find ourselves in, right? Uh, make home more affordable and reduce the levels of homelessness. Um, I don't know how well we've done. Obviously, we still have issues. Has there been improvements? What are we doing wrong? What can we do better? We're going to have a conversation about that right now with Ren Thomas, who is an associate professor at the School of Planning at Dalhousie University. Uh, she and her student, Holly Blackmore, worked on Dr. Jacqueline Gahagan's study on housing LGBT seniors in uh, 2020 and 2021. She's joining us today to talk about this national housing strategy and how it seems to be working and where it may have gone wrong. Um, Ren, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate your time. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, this situation, first of all, let, let's just sort of define some of the parameters that we're talking about here. How do we, because there's various levels that are sort of addressed by this, right, in terms of housing need, affordability, all these sorts of things. It's not one size fits all, correct? That's right. Yeah, there's lots of different, uh, obviously we have the kind of 30% of, of household income, pre-tax household income is kind of the CMHC standard for affordability. Okay. But of course, people have different, uh, yeah, there, you know, some people may not, you know, like some people need, need, uh, you know, of course people need shelters and, you know, people experiencing homelessness and that kind of thing. Right. So. Yeah. And you, and it's sort of broken down by different international organizations in terms of, you know, the cost. It's not just having the house. You have to be able to have heat and, and water and, and power and all those sorts of things. So there's a whole equation that's behind this. Yeah, if you look at the OECD indicators, they include, yeah, like the expenditure, which includes rent, but also maintenance and repair and yep. utility. And it also includes, you know, are people, are, are households actually able to heat their home, like keep their dwelling warm? And then there's also things like satisfaction, like are they happy with their housing? Like is it, is it you know, in good condition and that type of thing? And we're not seeing uh, great results on a lot of those factors. But when we talk about something called core housing need, can you can you explain what that means? Because that seems to be sort of the bedrock, right? Yeah, so in Canada, yeah, so our measure in Canada is this thing called core housing need, and it, it does differ in some in some respects. So basically, if you're in core housing need, it means you live in housing that's either it's unaffordable, so it costs more than 30% of your pre-tax household income, or it's unsuitable, which means the size, usually the size of your household is too large for your unit, or it's inadequate, which means your housing's in poor repair. And and basically, the key is like you have one of those factors, but you also can't afford a, a, like right. some kind of alternative housing yeah, in your community. So, so that's the scene kind of um, definition of, of core housing need. And if we look at across Canada, you know, we're, you know, at a range of between, if you look at provincially, a range of a low of 6% in Quebec to a high of, you know, as high as 32.9% in Nunavut. And that's that's really quite high, obviously, wow. in Nunavut. And, yeah. and, and like you say, it, it, it just simply comes down to affordability, which I think most of us understand. You just can't afford to move into a better place. 
That's right. Yeah. They're, well, they're just, yeah, they're, we do have now, and some people have been arguing for a long time that there's a supply issue in Canada that, mm. you know, we just don't have enough units. But I mean, BMO, um, you know, has done research on this that no, like actually we're forming households at a, a slower rate than we're actually building units. So we should actually do, we actually do have the supply. What's happening though is we have so much because we have a basically market-based housing system. We have so much speculation. People are buying units and speculating and, you know, they're holding those units and not living in them, for example. And, and, I mean, that's let's get into that a little more, because that was the target of this national housing strategy, right, was to try and deal with affordability. That was one of the main planks in the platform. Um, so so what happened? Because like you say, we are building more units, but it's not changing the affordability at all. That's right. Yeah. So in Canada, our major issue is affordability. Like so those other categories of inadequacy and unsuitability, those aren't major issues that we face. Right. And if you look at percentages, yeah. So the affordability is the main thing. So seventy seven percent of people who are in core housing need it's affordability. And so that you know, that you know, this that this was one of the main goals of the strategy, but we haven't really achieved that because the threshold to affordability in most of the programs that they run are not very high. Like I mean, you know, you don't have to meet those kind of very high thirty uh, percent threshold except for one particular program, which is the Rapid Housing Initiative. And so these other programs, are, which are grant or loan programs, um, and, and often are like things like the Housing Co-Investment Fund, um, they, the affordability thresholds are lower, and they also are not permanent, right? So it, actually, for none of these programs, is affordability permanent. So that's really a problem, right? We're building these units that might only be affordable for 10 years, and in the case of RHI, for 20 years. So, you know, what, what's supposed to happen then in, in 10 years or 20 years? Like, is our situation changed? Like, probably not. Right. Because in Canada, we've had affordability issues for over 20 years. Sure. So, yeah. So, I mean, the programs that we've designed and and like I say, we're five years into this now, uh, clearly are not meeting the goals. They're they're, they're failing by and large. Um, What do we need to do? I mean, how do we change the, the focus of what we're doing? It's a 10 year plan. We're halfway through and we're not going anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that, um, so there have been a number of reports published, which I mentioned in this article, which like the National Research Council published one, the, um, parliamentary office published one. And, you know, so there are some really good recommendations in those reports in terms of like where we need to, where we need to kind of make a change, make changes. And a number of them are around, you know, um, kind of shifting the, you know, program funding into these different areas. Like, so shifting it more into the rapid housing initiative, which has proven to be, you know, building a lot of units very quickly. And those are the ones that are much more affordable and also transferring more money into like bilateral programs. So each province or territory has an agreement with the federal government. um, And through that, they run all these bilateral kind of programs through, you know, um, cost cost sharing. And so one of the recommendations has always been, you know, to put more money to those programs and also into interventions like the Canada Housing Benefit, which helps supplement people's rent. If they're in areas where they just can't find units that are affordable, it helps supplement their rent. And it is meant for people that are usually meant for people that are low income. In some places, like in Ontario, it, it helps people who are actually on the waiting list for, for public housing. So, yeah. So, I mean, like I say, are, are, are we seeing some gains? I mean, I, we, we like, like, okay, we haven't met the goals that we set out for this 10-year program, but we are only halfway through. I mean, are we seeing some things starting to bear fruit? And is there a possibility that we can see some drastic improvement over the next five years? Or, or are you not hopeful? 
Well, I mean, we're building more units for sure. So in terms of those people who believe that the supply is the issue, yeah, we're building more units. So that's that's successful. Like re- rental construction financing initiative, or which was one of CMHC's programs, that, that was a major goal of that program was to get more rental housing built. So yeah, we're building more rental housing for sure than we were five years ago. But um, is the housing affordable? No, as, as you said yourself. I mean, so that's really where we need to kind of look. And, and it, you know, are we going to, like, yeah, I mean, this year the federal budget did um, allocate more money to the RHR. So hopefully that will result in a lot more affordable units being built in our cities. Um, I think the other real thing, a challenge is like, I I mean, we'd like to see more units in places outside of Ontario and Quebec. Like, frankly, a lot of that funding has really gone to those two provinces. And if you look at, you know, especially the grant programs to municipalities and that kind of thing, you know, CMHC, in my opinion, they haven't done a great job about making sure that this is kind of geographically, you know, kind of spread out, too. I mean, you look at places like Minnesota where there is a, a major need and there's this huge core housing need. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost like that's where we should kind of be focusing. So in terms of are we going to see a rapid, you know, like all these people removed from core housing need? Like, no, probably not, because that's, we're not <laughs> we're not putting the money where, you know, we should be. So. The question, Ren, is, OK, with, with being halfway through, is was it sort of here's the plan? Here's here's the 10 year strategy. Boom. And then everybody walked away and it was sort of left to some of the programs that are in place. Let's run these programs. Or is it a it does it have an opportunity to be changed and adapted and focused and redefined as we go on? I mean, is somebody working yeah. on saying, OK, we can improve it in this area? Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, that's why these reports are done, and that's why the recommendations are made, and that's why there have been already changes in this year's federal budget, right? So there is, and there and there was a lot of public consultation this year as well um, on, you know, how the, how the NHS is doing and what people want to see changed. And I think they heard loud and clear that, you know, they're, that these organizations that really do need funding are not getting it. Yeah. So non cooperatives and, you know, they're kind of at the community level and those who are most vulnerable are not getting that funding either. And so how do we change that? You know, and the part of the work that I did with Dr. Gahagan was around seniors and people who are LGBT and some of their concerns around housing. And this is a group for in, in particular, which, you know, CMHC will say that they're interested in helping this group and, and other vulnerable groups, but they don't really specifically do it. It's up to those organizations who help those groups to apply for funding and to, like, get the, you know, to get those grants. So, you know, are they really helping individuals in these, you know, not really. They're really helping organizations that yeah. serve those individuals if they have the capacity to apply for those grants. And that's where we kind of get into some issues. Yeah, almost an industry, yeah. Uh, Ren, thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate your time today. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.